The Braves hit the halfway mark, back in position. We won two series. That's what we set out to do. So, but it was a good road trip. Welcome to the Braves Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano, who is joining us from Cincinnati, where Charlie Morton flirts with a no-hitter. Michael Harris hits one about 800 miles, and the Braves still lose. Yeah, that was that was a crazy game. We'll get into it uh, a little bit, but a little back and forth there. Uh, but that was one of those weird ones. You have a brutal loss to end a really good road trip otherwise, uh, where you could have had a sweep here. Um, the last game in Philly got away from you, but overall, 4-2, and two, they're gaining on the Mets, uh, and things look pretty good for the Braves right now. All right, so despite what happened on Sunday, the Braves have closed out a historic month of June to get right back in position. Coming up, we'll look at what it means for the second half, the two rookies that have helped turn this season around, plus an update on Kinley Jansen. You'll also hear from Will Smith on what he's watching for when he's on the mound and backed by popular demand. It is Ask Justin. The Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is brought to you by Kroger. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, first off, I'll take the jinx for the, for the bullpen blowing it on uh, last Sunday against the Dodgers, but you're going to have to wear this one. Yeah, yeah, I think I uh, sent you, you know, I looked at our show sheet um, that you sent over to me, and I sent you a little note that said that uh, we might have to add. Looks really good to me, might have to add a no-hitter in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I'll take this one, but hey, all the fans already thought I jinxed it anyways, because I'm not a big jinx guy, like I'll tweet if there's a no-hitter going out, I, I don't care really particularly about that, <laughs> um, and I, I often... You know, but I'm always here to wear it. I'm always here to eat my L's uh, as they come. So, yeah, this this was one of them. But, you know, still seven innings of one-hit baseball for Charlie. Set them up perfectly. And then, oh, boy, McHugh gives up three runs in the eighth. Minter gives up another in the ninth. Um, and it was not good. It really kind of, you know, not only undid Charlie Morton's performance, but undid the, the rally. Marcelo Zuna and Michael Harris homering in the ninth. So that was... A bad, bad loss. Uh, last Sunday was a bad, bad loss. But but overall, the Braves are still in really good standing right now. Yeah, still three and a half back behind the Mets. They do lose a game on Sunday. And, and you know, manager Brian Snicker said in our uh, cut at the open, hey, they got done what they wanted to get done. 100%. Really the highlight of this weekend, if you look at the bigger picture, is that with a Mets loss on Saturday and a Braves win on Saturday, the Braves were two and a half back of the Mets. Um you know, for the first time since April 17th, I believe it was. So they're they're getting closer. They've been within four games. And, oh, by the way, you know, the third team in the Braves' homestand is that New York Mets team. They're going to have three against the Mets. Um, so things are still looking up for this team. They're 12 games over 500 um, after sitting under 500 for, you know, a lot of the first two months of the season. So, you know, it really, things are fine right now, and they're going well. They're in a great spot. Uh, the mood is good. You know, it's a little somber in that clubhouse after this one. But uh, I think everybody understands that the bigger picture right now looks really, really good, especially, and you don't want to compare it to last year because it's just so different. Um, but last year, they got a later start on this. Uh, and then this year, 
the Mets got an earlier start and a much better start, and the Braves, you know, started earlier too. So, I mean, I think it's this is they're in good standing right now. They should feel good with where they're at. Here's here's kind of a stat I saw that that sort of epitomizes you know where they're at compared to to last year, even though it's you know total different situation. But as of Saturday, the Braves had reached a season high thirteen games over five hundred. Last year, the World Champs topped out at fifteen games over five hundred. Yeah, yeah, they, and that that's really the thing is like yeah, sure we they had a little um you know we we saw them have a little bit of a lull at the beginning of this season, and Charlie Morton talked about it after today's game, but. Really, I mean, yeah, they're rolling from that 14-game winning streak to taking two of three in Philly. Now, that team doesn't have Bryce Harper, but it's still got a powerful lineup. Um, You know, took two of three from the Reds, almost swept. It it almost seems like, and we talked about this on last week's show, it almost seems like everybody thought the Braves are going to come back to earth uh, once they were done playing teams like the A's and the Pirates. But they just really haven't. They played well against San Francisco, played well against the Dodgers, should have won that series. Uh, then played well against the Phillies. And so right now, I think if you're, you know, the Braves and if you're a Braves fan, I think you feel confident going into the St. Louis series um, and then certainly into the Washington series and, and even the one with the Mets because, I mean, out of New York, they're talking about the, you know, splits with runners in scoring position having leveled off a little bit. Some people are biting their nails up there. So I think it is just really funny how it works. They're in a much better spot this season, and they look – Right now, like the team they were supposed to be, talented, deep, great bullpen despite this loss, great rotation um, in the last two games of the series, Spencer Strider and Charlie Morton combined for like two hits and 21 strikeouts over, geez, I think it was, you know, 13 innings. So they're really getting great production from basically everywhere around the clubhouse right now. Yes, the Mets got out to a 10 and a half game lead. The Braves have never overcome that deficit in in Atlanta history or Milwaukee history, but a historic month of June gets them back in the race. They win 21 games to tie the Atlanta record, and they shave the, the deficit down to three and a half. Just kind of hung in there and, and allowed themselves to get it going. I mean, I think we all thought we were capable of it coming out of spring training. Didn't happen the way we wanted, probably. Um, took a little longer, but, you know, the guys never altered their work, the consistency of their work, the energy with which they play. They kept, you know, they just they went about it in a very professional way to allow themselves to get to this point. May not be able to win 20 games every month, but do you see anything here that may be fluky or that they're punching above their weight or is this who they are? No, I think this is who they are. Um, and I say that with complete objectivity because I've also come on this podcast and, and called things out, whether it's, you know, that I thought they didn't have enough depth, you know, position player wise, or if, you know, I felt they needed another arm or if, you know, whatever it was. Objectively, I think this is who they are. Um, and I even asked guys around the clubhouse after um, today's game just about about that because I think sometimes in baseball we the game is trying to figure out what's a fluke and what is real uh what's a trend and what's just you know a a flash in the pan what the Braves are doing yeah maybe they're not gonna their starters aren't gonna no hit teams through six innings you know every single day but they've received good starting pitching performances and the bad ones have been you know ian anderson's clunker was really bad they've had a couple clunkers but for the most part the rotation has been on a roll um the bullpens pitch really well they're hitting yeah maybe they're not gonna have seven bats or six bats on fire at the same time but that's not even the case anymore these guys don't look like they're you know they're not putting up the ridiculous numbers they were during that 14 game winning streak right now 
but they're still winning games. They're finding ways to drive in runs. You know, Saturday it was Austin Riley with a home run and an RBI double. Um, Sunday it was, you know, Michael Harris and then two home runs from Marcelo Zuna. Marcelo Zuna has, he has an OPS, you know, under 700, but has had some really big hits for them. Um, so I do think that a lot of this looks very sustainable. Um, and that, that's weird to say because, yeah, you're not going to win 21 games every month. Uh, but the the encouraging part to me is that when you look at what they're doing and how sustainable it looks, uh, one thing that I don't think we've talked about enough is that they've already played the Brewers twice. They've played the Padres twice. They've played the Dodgers twice. Uh, they've played the Giants once. They've played the Red Sox once. A lot of these teams that we saw as maybe the more talented teams in their schedule, they've already played, um, you know, and already finished season series against, you know, a few of them. Uh, they've got a lot of games against the Mets um, and some more against the Phillies remaining. But for now, I mean, they're they're looking pretty good with where the schedule looks uh, and where it heads. Plus, I think that this is relatively sustainable because they're not hitting... 10 home runs in the first two games of a series anymore they're they're winning in other ways and they're winning in very uh sustainable ways with starting pitching performances and you know not crazy ones the guys aren't going eight innings every single night out it's very complete team performances one of the major questions that we had asked coming into this season would be okay well, we feel pretty confident the bullpen's going to be elite this team's going to hit outside of max freed there wasn't a bunch of capitalized marks in the rotation charlie morton albeit the highest paid pitcher on the team broke his leg in the world series ian anderson doesn't have a huge body of work outside of stellar work in the playoffs and then there was two question marks there here's the braves era for their starters in the last 30 days freed 251 morton 287 strider 290 kyle wright 418 ian anderson 615 who would you start in game two of a hypothetical playoff series now man oh god Oh God, um, that's a great question because Charlie Morton is a Game Seven god and like a just a clutch performer. But right now, oh man, I think I'm, you know, I think I'm going with Kyle Wright. I think Kyle Wright's done it enough for you. Well, I mean. Yeah, I think Kyle Wright. That's kind of that's kind of the point now. Is like, yeah, yeah. You know, I, there's four tough, and then once you know, Ian Anderson is not a six fifteen ERA guy. That's that's a well rounded rotation. Yeah, exactly. And I think like you go. Yeah, if we were to answer the question, I don't know. I mean, history says Morton. The current you know thing says Kyle Wright, and I think that's that's been incredible for them to have, you know, Kyle Wright finally reaching his potential. And Charlie Morton, for as much as we've talked about his good or bad season, you could look on Twitter for he, you know, him or Ian Anderson, and you would think things are going a lot worse than they actually are. Like Ian Anderson hasn't been good; his season hasn't been good enough. He said he he said it himself when I asked him, you know, on Thursday. But if Ian Anderson and Charlie Morton struggles are the worst of your problems in a rotation, you're actually doing very well. Um, and so I think like, I think Ian Anderson straightens it out and starts to figure it out. But yeah, that's, I mean, you make a good point because I mean, that's going to be a tough conversation for whenever they line something like that up. You think, you know, it, it, cause Kyle Wright has been their second best pitcher. Um, and yeah, he's had a couple of rough starts lately, but I mean, rough starts in terms of looking at his line, he's felt like he's throwing the ball. Well, like I think he's in command. He's got such good stuff that like that can get him through a lot of those situations too. Uh, tough situations 
I mean, I think they've got as good, you know, as well-rounded of a rotation as you can hope to have. Like, sure, you you know, you don't want somebody like Ian Anderson to struggle, but what are you going to do? Demote him to the bullpen when, you know, Soroka? I, I don't even, yeah, I don't even know. Like, that, they're, it, it's tough to say right now what they would do or if it would be Strider who goes. He's pitched so well. Like, it's tough to say right now, you know, because it's easy to say, well, Alex Anthopoulos should acquire a, any, you know, an impact starter and give up, da 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 Well, like, why are you going to give up a ton if you've got... I think they've got as pretty much, you know, as well-rounded as a rotation as you could hope to have. Um, and I think they're really looking good right now, but not right now with that. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity. Because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. All right, it is a holiday weekend after all. A perfect time to crank up the Braves Report podcast, by the way, during your cookout and even the fireworks before they start. And if you have not done so, head to your local Kroger store and stock up on your warm weather favorites. Everything from hamburgers, hot dogs, buns, seafood, veggies, even plant-based food. It's all right here. And take advantage of these holiday weekend sales, too. Plus, get grilling tips from experts at Kroger.com slash grilling. Kroger's also got you covered for all your outdoor entertaining needs as well. So visit your local Kroger store today or go to Kroger.com. Now, when you look at the month of June and the, the turnaround and the hot streak, you know, to me, it's the, the two rookies that have really been significant there. Spencer Strider locking down that fifth spot in the rotation has not hurt, even though he was not totally happy with his <clears> – <throat> 11 strikeout, one hit performance on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I'm still trying to extend the game a little bit more, be a little more economical. Um, obviously, walking an HDP that you know, didn't, didn't want to happen, but um, so, so two consecutive six innings, starting to, starting to stretch a little bit, so definitely uh, finding, finding a little bit. And here's Justin with Snip. What impressed you most about just the way Strider was able to stay composed through today as he was going yeah, through that, it? that. I mean, he's just he's shown me that the whole time. I mean, how he has the ability to kind of slow the game down, trust his stuff, has confidence in himself. And, um, you know, he's, he's – I mean, he was, he was live today. Breaking ball was really good. And I think, and you know, I just I checked the – you know, obviously you're looking at the velocities when he pitches and just – it's kind of coming on, out of there pretty easy too. Um, and what he's doing. Yeah, that was 102, uh, by the way, on Saturday. But, yeah, we joke about, you know, that we talk about Strider every single show, and we pretty much have, but he's been a difference maker. Yeah, 100%. I, I think it's really funny because every time I, you know, sitting there in the press box trying to write after one of this guy's, you know, starts, it's like, what else can <laughs> what else can you write about him? He, it almost like he just keeps getting better. He keeps passing every test that comes his way. Uh, you thought he couldn't really look better given the competition than he did against the Dodgers, and he looked more dominant, you know, against the Reds, uh, albeit, you know, lesser competition, but he's still taking steps in 102.4, the fastest pitch of his career, but he's still got that mindset, and I think kind of the always want to improve, never comfortable mindset that I think you heard about, you know, in that quote, uh, that he still wanted to extend the game, and you're looking at his line, and you're like, come on, man, like, room for improvement, like, you just kind of but it's the way he is. Uh, it's the way, you know, kind of the way he runs and the way he's driven um, and the way he's wired. And I think that's really special. But I think it really, you know, says a lot um, about him um, that, you know, 
they haven't had to even consider the fifth starter spot since he came in, you know, a month ago and filled that. He's been so good, not only the composure, like I was talking about with Snit, but just stuff. I mean, the ability to have that, or as Austin Riley put it, to have that velocity and to bring that heat, but then to spot, you know, a slider, to have a changeup, that just, you know, puts hitters off balance. Uh, and I asked Michael Harris, like, what he would do if, uh, he was facing Spencer Strider, and he was like, he just laughed, and he goes, oh, I guess just be on time, because if you're not on time, you don't have a chance. Uh, <laughs> and and I think that's, yeah, the, you know, Spencer Strider's completely turned around this team, as, you know, has Michael Harris, like the, the reigning NL Rookie of the Month now, you know, as we speak. It's really funny, because we asked Kyle, we asked Kyle Wright after Wednesday's game, or after Tuesday's, his last start, whatever it was, just what what he took away from the month of June and what they were able to do. Just a standard question about the month of June. And he actually turned it toward Michael Harris. He said, you know, I don't know if he gets enough credit, so I'm just going to say that, you know, it's not all coincidence that we've gone on this run, you know, when he's been here. And it's been true because you look at all the different facets that he's impacted. We talked a little bit about this in our show right when he got called up. But as we've seen it throughout the first month, because he's been so good in center field, Adam Duvall, you know, can play in a corner. That's made their outfield defense much better. And then they've gotten, you know, Michael Harris, who might be the best defensive center fielder in the majors. Uh, eventually, once people see more of him, a little more of him, I mean, that's given them a huge boost. And he talked about it with me when I was talking to him after the game yesterday uh, about his award. It was that he was... He didn't expect to have such a good start, and he's just surprised that he could because he felt like he needed he'd need to adjust more than he has, <laughs> and that's pretty incredible. And I think that goes to show he was probably a lot more prepared than anybody ever thought he could be. You know, 197 games out of high school, and it just goes to show the coaching he's had, the work he's done. I mean, he's very proud of that. But I think he's completely turned this team around. Not only giving them a, a hitter in the nine hole, you know, that can get on base at you know over, you know, a 344 clip. But somebody with some power, he showed that today when he hit a bomb that I thought was going to land in the river. But he's just turned around this team completely, and as has Spencer Strider given them a fist starter when that spot was a revolving door. And here's exactly what Harris said about his Rookie of the Month award. Uh, honestly, I was I was laying here on the couch, and uh, Max Free walked up to me and said congratulations. I was, I was like, for what? And I look at the TV behind him, and I'm on it, and it says uh, Rookie of the Month. So he told me, congrats. Uh, that's how I found out, and I mean, I'm overfilled with uh, joy, and just trying to go out there and progress every time I go out there and continue to have fun. You obviously believed in yourself to even, to even get here, but did you ever expect to have this good of a start to where you would you'd earn that honor? No, no, I didn't. I felt like when I got here, I would have had to do a little bit more adjusting than I've had to, and I'm just glad that I kind of doing what I'm doing right now and still getting better as I go. So, um, I mean, that's a good feeling. I just want to keep doing it. On Sunday, you kind of got the whole Michael Harris experience. In that eighth inning when Colin McHugh's starting to slip a little bit, he didn't make the catch. But on that dive in center field where he caught the ball one hop and kept it from going to the wall, you could even see Colin McHugh just kind of just look out there like, wow, and just sort of nodded his head. Turned out it didn't matter, but – that center field defense is, I don't want to say, you know, AJ just jet, but you kind of start to say, oh, maybe this guy is the next best thing since that guy. It was funny. Somebody actually asked Snitker about that before one of the games, and he's like, is it, the reporter's like, is it, you know, unfair to 
some reporter from Philly was like, is it unfair to, you know, compare him to Andrew just yet? Is it too early? And Sickers like, yeah, probably. But, I mean, when do you see the type of talent like that mixed with the type of instincts he has? Uh, in terms of just, like, uh, one play I can think of is cutting the ball off in Philly. Um saving helping save a run there yeah, that was another one yeah you made you mentioned you mentioned the McHugh thing which was like that wasn't a, I've never seen people ooh and ah more for something that they knew wasn't a catch and that yeah. was like incredible like a ton of Braves fans at Great American Ballpark and everybody was like understood it wasn't a catch and still it was like he had just made the greatest play you'd ever seen and he's made a few of them and the the, the thing that gets me with him is like he'll make running down a ball in the gap or running down a liner that's going to split in between he and Acuna like he'll run those down and he'll just make it look super easy to the point where you have to watch the play again to truly appreciate how good he is like because it's like he almost masks his own talent by being that good Michael Harris often doesn't need to dive because he gets there regardless Uh, and I think like just a natural talent mixed with the instincts uh, like he tagged up on a ball you know first base and went to second on a fly ball you know recently like just everything he does is incredible and defensively like wow uh he's completely turned them around you can just look at the plays every single day and wonder like wow if that would have gotten to the the gap what would have happened or if that would have been you know this what would have happened uh then you mix it with the arm and with the wheels and then the bat and you're yeah he he's a five tool player that doesn't always translate to the majors, but I think uh, you you can breathe easy if you're a Braves fan with Michael Harris because he's he's pretty much showing us. You know, I'm not saying he'll never struggle, but if his bat's not there, he's gonna do everything else, and he's pretty much showing us that he's for real. Now, one of the things we're trying to do with this podcast is is we want to bring you longer cuts and, and longer pieces of sound of the conversations that Justin has that he uses for his story, so you can get more insight on. The Braves, and this week Justin had a chance to catch up with Will Smith. In your career, how have you learned to kind of maybe feed off the positive that happens in the night, but try to just like go day by day and get through the negative, knowing that you got to show up the next day, it's a new day, things yeah, like that. Yeah, um, I was I was extremely lucky coming up. I had a bunch of old guys, um, veteran guys that I was <clears throat> in bullpens with that really took care of me. Um, the main one was uh, Francisco Rodriguez, um, K Rod, yeah. Jonathan Broxton was a big part too. Um, and they and they taught me the same thing. Hey, you're gonna have to learn. You gotta learn how to pitch. Um, you know, we obviously have most people in the bullpen now are two pitch pitchers, so the pitcher's got a 50% chance of being right. So you gotta learn to read swings, read body language, read foul balls, um, move feet. Sometimes so a lot of people, you know, it's it's a lost art in the game. But if a guy's looking for something away, well, you can move his feet in, and then it kind of flusters him. He doesn't know what to do, and then you can either go back away or you can go back in. I mean, it just opens up so much stuff. Um, so I feel like I've been on a lot of teams that have, you know, Darren's a guy here that a lot of people lean on to. Um, just, I mean, you kind of got knows how Darren is. He's a goofy, oh, yeah. fun-loving oh, guy. Yeah. So the yeah. game, he doesn't take the game too serious, but he, when he's out there, he cares. Um, he wants to dominate his inning just like the rest of us. So I think we've all been lucky just to have some older guys throughout the process kind of take us under the wing and help us out. Uh, so when you mean body language, can you explain like what you might see in a guy if he's looking for a certain fish? What is body language? Just hitter. Be? I mean, hitters, I think, will tell you a lot of stuff. You know, whether they're taking deep breaths or some kind of the swings they take sometimes. Um, and you might be wrong. Yeah. Uh, but as, as long as I think as long as you're trusting your gut, you can sleep at night. Um, there's nothing worse than second-guessing yourself all night. But if you believe in the pitch and you have the conviction behind it and you think 
you've read the hitter the way you've read him and he gets you, then so be it. You know, he got me. Um, but when you do get them, it just it shoots your confidence up that much higher that you're you're starting to read swings, you're starting to read foul balls and all that stuff that the game inside of the game, I guess. Thought there was a lot going on there. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And it just goes to show how much these guys do on a daily basis and what they pick up. Like Will Smith's a veteran guy, you know, his mid thirties, you know, has gotten some big outs for them. And I know everybody talks about the kind of the Will Smith experience and up and down and sometimes, you know, you never know what to expect with them. But it just goes to show you how much these guys think about what they do. Uh it just past doing it. Um, they're really thinking about it, they're really evaluating it, they really pick up a lot. Another part of that conversation, we were talking about his season, he evaluated it as kind of so-so, um, but said he's just kind of learned that, you know, it's sometimes, you know, younger Will Smith would have been really pissed off giving up a run. Now he knows, you know, if the situation's still fine, they're still going to win the game, it's it's okay, things like that happen. It's just a really interesting to talk to a guy who's been through it all and has pitched in so many big games and has gotten a ton of huge outs for the Braves um, just to kind of figure out, you know, how that sort of thing works and I knew you know it's like it it's really interesting to hear them when they talk about hitters body language and things like that because like not only are you trying to execute a pitch but you're trying to like use other factors to your advantage and that to me that seems like a lot to keep in your head in a span of five seconds Smith is going to get some more closer opportunities with Kenley Jansen out how's Kenley doing yeah, so Kenley's got um, – he's on the injured list, the 15-day injured list, with a regular heartbeat. Uh, and now I had heard this was the same thing he had had uh, back in 2018 uh, with the Dodgers. He was only on the injured list for the minimum 10 days. Uh, and the Braves kind of expect this to be more of the same. It's just something that has to – I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to butcher this. But something that basically has to regulate itself again and kind of get back to normal. Uh, so the big thing with him, though, is that – he could he he's been able to keep his arm going so he you know we knew that you know at the beginning i'd heard that he could keep his arm going throughout this which is why the braves expect you know we're optimistic and expected this to kind of just be the short injured list stint now it's 15 days now so he's on the 15 day il um and so yeah it shouldn't be you know a huge issue we'll see if the braves bring him back before the all-star break or if they just give him some rest but yeah it's it's nothing it doesn't seem like it's anything to worry about he's had you know history of heart problems uh an mlb.com story that was written a few years back that said he had you know a procedure after the 2018 season and then one in 2012 i believe it was to kind of help with the irregular heartbeat but he's he's had this before um and so nobody's really too concerned about it even though it sounds very 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 concerning a reminder that you can get this kind of insight. You can hear these kind of stories because of the investment the AJC makes in its reporters and sending Justin out on the road and staying with the team as much as possible. That comes from subscribers, of course, to the AJC. And if you have not joined our community yet, this is the perfect time because right now we are having our best deal of the year to get the news that matters to you. For a limited time, you can get unlimited digital access to the AJC for the next six months for just 99 cents so for the rest of the year you get all of justin's braves coverage all of our sports columnists everything on ajc.com our e-paper our newsletters including the new bradley's buzz from mark bradley all for less than a buck so to get the best journalism in georgia go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast that is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on we'll do ask justin uh, in just a second here but we cannot get away without um Dealing with a Freddie Freeman situation again. Thought this thing was put to bed last weekend, and then um, his agent uh, decided to release a statement to you, and boom goes the dynamite. 
Yeah, yeah. So I think it was. So I got it, uh, and I know. Sheesh, I don't know who else did, but yeah, I I, I got it from his agency that said that, uh, basically asserted that the Braves since March fostered a narrative that is you know plain and simple, simply put, false. Uh, and basically, they were saying that the Braves fostered a, and helped continue a narrative that said that the agency did not communicate its offers to Freddie Freeman. Now, the big thing here was that Doug Gottlieb, yes, if, if you're wondering who that is, a Fox Sports radio host, you might know the name. He's a former college basketball player. Tweeted that Casey Close, who used to represent Freddie Freeman, as it appears, uh, that situation is fluid, and it seems like Freddie has fired his agents. Um, but who used to represent Freddie Freeman, we'll, we'll call it that, who led the negotiations with the Braves, Doug Gottlieb tweeted that Casey never told Freddie um, about, you know, the offers from the Braves and that he knew Freddie would take the one from Atlanta. Now, that's complete. I mean, that's, a, you know, you can't say that without having any backing for it. Um, but, of course, this is the day and age of Twitter, so people believed it because they saw it out there and they saw it getting a lot of retweets and a lot of likes. The Braves, from what I have heard, I have never heard privately or publicly. The Braves have not spoken publicly about the negotiations. Only, you know, Freddie, Freddie and his agents have. But privately, I have never heard the Braves foster, you know, any sort of that, that narrative, um, which is why it made it, I think, Excel might have been, you know, conflating the Braves making up that narrative and, and maybe giving it to Doug God. I don't even know. But Alex... Anthopolis declined to comment when when reached in a text, which is probably the smart thing to have done there. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's like the story that just will not go away. And it's not going away because uh, Dansby Swanson is represented by same agency and uh, he will not have a contract at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. So Dansby told me, I asked him point blank uh, on Tuesday, that, that first day in Philly, I asked him if he was going to stay with them. And he basically looked at me like I was crazy, like, why wouldn't I? And he said that, you know, he said he's going to stay with them and he will never leave them. So that's what he said. We'll see if any if anything else comes out that changes his mind on that. That remains to be seen. But yeah, I think this is going to be, look, I mean, you look at how the negotiations, you know, according to, you know, who I spoke with, um, they're just not a good look for Excel. Uh, that's how others around the industry are viewing it. Um, basically came to Alex Anthopoulos with an ultimatum, two contract structures. The Braves could pick either one of them, and he had an hour to get back to Casey Close. Uh, the Braves, of course, you know, as history goes, declined to choose either. Um, one was five for 165, I believe. Another was six for 175. Um, the Braves declined to do either. The sides, you know, according to who I spoke with, agreed to just part ways there and go their own separate ways and that's why I think the Braves were confused that Freddie Freeman said he was blindsided by the Matt Olson trade because they had agreed to go their separate ways that you know just that whole exchange really makes you wonder if they're going to be able to get something done with Dansby Swanson I mean Alex Anthopoulos and Casey Close uh, obviously did not you know the Braves were pretty um, surprised at how that was handled Um, and you know as you'd expect you wouldn't expect an ultimatum I don't know if Excel maybe thought that the Braves would never want to lose Freddie, so they'd give anything for him, and they played hardball, but they played hardball and uh, didn't win. And so, uh, yeah, I think um, that's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I know there's some skepticism, you know, around the industry of, like, if the Braves are going to be able to get something done. You'd maybe tend to think that the player would be put first in these instances, but if two sides didn't work well, 
uh, one time, I mean, it, it might not be good for business that next time around. So yeah, that's a, that's definitely a story that we're following as Dansby Swanson continues increasing his price with his play. All right, up next now for the Braves, a four-game homestand with the Cardinals, who are in second in the NL Central, followed up by the lowly Nationals. One good team, one bad team at home this week. What should we be watching for from the Cardinals? Yeah, the Cardinals, I mean, they're a team that's it's always been good. I mean, they've got an NL MVP candidate in Paul Goldschmidt. They've got a great player in Nolan Arenado. Um, Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor, who are actually childhood best friends, uh, you know, when they grew up in Phoenix, have helped them out a lot. Uh but they've always just got this really solid team that plays really well, doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Um, it looks like they're that way again. Um, but the Braves have already gone through San Francisco. They've gone through the Dodgers. They've played the Padres. They can play with anybody. Um, I don't see them having a ton of trouble with the Cardinals, even if the Cardinals are a good team like the Braves. Um, and then Washington, I mean, the Braves should be able to, to kind of romp, you know, like they did the last time they played the Nationals. All right, as we wrap things up here, time for the Ask Justin segment, taking questions off your Twitter feed, which is? Justin C. Toscano. Wow, what do, what do we have this week after a loss that people surely took with mild manners? We we actually do have a lot of a lot of good questions oh, and, and not a lot of panicking, so that was, that good. was good. good. So first up, William Carr, is the Braves front office going to get a front-line starting pitcher for postseason? I don't see it right now. That's just my personal gut feeling, just because – it's going to take a lot to get one of those guys. I don't know if they want to give up that much in prospect capital after what they gave up for Matt Olson. And to get a frontline starter, I mean, that's going to that's going to take a bit. Plus, I think they probably have to feel pretty good about the rotation. I would see them getting more of like a mid-level uh, arm, you know, quality arm that, you know, they can put in, but someone is not going to cost a ton. All right, next up from Sarah. What do you see happening with the five outfielder situation? I'd think Acuna and Harris are locks to start every day. But what do you do with the remaining three, Duvall, Ozuna, and Rosario? Yeah, uh, so for me, I think it's probably Ozuna never sees a defensive inning if they don't have to put him out there. Uh, They can just put him at DH. And then it's got to be Duvall and Rosario and left if everybody's healthy. Uh, And, you know, Rosario's a guy you can – you know, start against righties for now if that's what they want, you know, if they want to start Duvall. Um, but, you know, I think Rosario is going to need to play his way into starting or Duvall's going to need to play his way out of starting. Uh, but they can really mix and match there. Um, but Duvall is one of their more important bats if he's going to hit 40, you know, home runs again. Obviously, he's not on that pace, but uh, he's a more important bat for them. But, you know, I think they'll split time there and left to a certain degree. From J.P. Swain, what are they going to do about Ian Anderson and who moves out of the pen when Matzik and Yates come back? That's a tough one. I think um, for Ian, I mean, they're going to let him pitch through it. Uh, The tough part about that is the bullpen, but I think they let Ian pitch through it. He's young. He's still learning. He's been a lot of big moments throughout his career so far. They let him pitch through this uh, for now. Um, The bullpen, I mean, it's got to be Silvino Bracco. It's got to be one of those guys. Um, And then unless I'm missing somebody, to me, the second one's probably – Dylan Lee, even though he's pitched well, I mean, I think Jackson Stevens has given you a lot. Uh, but they, you know, they've used Lee more, so it it, it could be Stevens. But yeah, it's going to be Brocco and either Lee or, or Stevens. I would I would think. I mean, it's going to be tough unless I'm forgetting anybody. Just because Jesse Chavez, like we talked about, has been so good for you that you can't get him out of there. From Benji Godwin, how do you feel about the expanded playoffs? It seems a lot of people forget it's happening this year, as the Braves have a spot fairly comfortably at the moment. 
Yeah, that's the thing is even when the Braves are struggling, they didn't really didn't need to do that much to to lock up that, you know, play out that 14 game streak, put them right in there. Uh, and I think I mean, I think it's fine. But one of the things I really liked about baseball was how it was hard to make the playoffs. Very difficult. Uh, and it makes it an achievement if you make the playoffs, let alone if you make a run like the Braves did last year. So, I mean, I'm a fan of like the wild card series and things like that. But I just don't I just don't know, like how I feel about the expanded postseason, because to me, it doesn't seem like we have that many like elite teams in baseball, but it could be fun to see who gets the last spot in the NL and the AL and things like that. Uh, so yeah, it'll be fine. I guess anybody in baseball can make a run, so it's fine. But I really like the selectivity of baseball's old postseason format. But maybe that's just me not wanting change. All right, next from EM Golds twenty two, rank your top five hot dog toppings. Oh top god, five. How many top- stuff? How many things you put on a hot dog? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what what's four and five like Skittles and like <laughs> Sour Patch Kids or something? I mean, okay. So I'll go mustard. Gotta have it. Number two is onions. Number three is those like pepper things that they put on there in Chicago. I don't know what you call those, but like those are pretty good. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like on I, a Chicago I'm, dog. I'm not a great hot dog guy. I am not a pepper guy, so I have no idea. Okay, yeah. So those those like pepper things. They add a little bit of spice. Um, Anyways, four is ketchup, five, I guess. I don't even like relish, but I'll just say it because I don't know what else to top a hot dog with unless we're doing, what are you doing, like jelly or something? I don't know. All right, we got to take you to the varsity to have a chili dog, so we got to do that. Oh, um, that's right. You can put chili and cheese on them. Holy smokes. You can, in fact, put chili and cheese on a hot dog, so we'll do that. that. There's a yeah. sorry, sorry, that's a free ad for the varsity. But, Come on. Um, I didn't know that you're not supposed to put ketchup on a hot dog. I didn't know that was a bad thing. Um being a guy from the south but still i put ketchup and mustard on a hot dog and then chili and cheese on a hot dog yeah chili and cheese is really good i, I forgot about those two i love chili and cheese on a hot dog uh, finally from trent uh justin what is your ideal food lineup for a fourth of july cookout oh man i mean you've got to have burgers and dogs i mean there's no cookout let's just say you're going the whole day you've got to have burgers dogs and then like for the evening you could do some steaks some chicken I mean, you need some corn on the cob. You need, like, some Caesar salad. You need lemonade. I'm not saying I've ever had a sip of alcohol. I'm just saying if you were into that, then you could bring it to a cookout. But, yeah, I think you got to do burgers and dogs uh, and then some steaks and, you know, some grilled chicken for for the nightcap. But, yeah, some salad in there, some corn on the cob, some pasta salad is good in the heat, Um, some cold pasta salad. Yeah, so that's – I'm very traditional with that stuff. I love a good cookout. I would I would just add um, you have to have a small gang for this, but homemade ice cream no, you cannot beat for any Ooh, outdoor wow. summertime gathering. Now, my grandmother made it the best, um, and there's not many people that can do it anymore. But homemade ice cream is the way. So anybody knows how to make good homemade ice cream, uh, double points for you. Which brings us to the winners of the week. Yeah, I'm going to go with Michael Harris. I mean, you look at the moments he's had throughout his first month, uh, and then to win. NL Rookie of the Month for June is just a tremendous accomplishment. I mean, they called him up believing he was ready to contribute and he's exceeded all expectations. And for me, it's Ronald Lacuna, the NL's leading vote-getter and will be a starter in the All-Star game. Praised it pretty well in the first round of voting, but Acuna gets through on the first round and he's already going to the All-Star game. Jeez, imagine if Acuna, Contreras, Darno, Swanson, and Duvall go. Praised fans stuff the ballot. Right, right. No, the Braves fan, Braves fans really did a good job, and we're forgetting that like the reserves and the start, you know, the pitchers and things like that, 
are decided by the player ballot and some people from the commissioner's office. So like somebody like Max Fried is going to go or like Kyle Wright could go or like I think a guy who didn't get enough love because the NL's got a lot of good third basemen is Austin Riley is having a great year that did not get enough love uh, in that. Um, So yeah, it could really be crazy. And I mean, Ozzy Albies could be theoretically selected. He was in that second phase of voting. He won't play, but still. All right, and before we go, congratulations to this week's Braves Youth Baseball and Softball Coaches of the Week. Wes Ward of Marietta for Sandy Plains Softball and Doug Spence of Marietta for Sandy Plains Baseball. Check out this week's nominees and cast your vote at AJC.com slash Braves Coach of the Week, which is brought to you by the Atlanta Braves and your local Kroger store. All right, so that's uh, where we will leave it uh, for this edition of the Braves Report. Uh, If you have not done so, please rate, review, follow, share, or subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your buddies, tell your enemies too. But uh, uh, please do review the show. If you don't like it, uh, you know, please tell us how we can prove. If we do like it, that's how we grow the show and can continue to to bring this to you every week. So, uh, Justin, uh, come on back and have a good 4th of July, man. Yep, yep, you too. And uh, everybody have a good, safe 4th of July, and uh, we'll see you back for the homestand. And that's it for the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.